I'm going to, I'm inviting you into a a little journey, a little journey back uh, in my own history, uh, back to 2004. 2004, Uh, Amanda, my wife Amanda and I, we bought our first home, and it was a a little little, little shack. It wasn't very big. Uh, It was built in 1924 and had some character to it. Uh, It was listed as a two-bedroom one and a half bath, but technically it actually was just a, a one bedroom uh, house. Uh, but it's what we could afford. And as we were living in this house, um, we, we, we wanted to change things up a little bit because the, the bedroom was right on the other side of a, a little wall from the living room. And when you walked in the house, uh, there was a door that, like, if it was left open, you'd see right into the bedroom, and then you go over to the living room. We're like, that's just kind of, like, a little vulnerable, right? Our, our bedrooms are a little bit vulnerable uh, to us. So we don't want to have everybody walking in, taking a look at it. And so I, I had this thought. I'm like, you know, we could move the bedroom downstairs. It had a nice little basement. So we could just move it down there. Why, why can't we do that? So I, I started to do that. I started to move the bedroom types of items downstairs, little tables and you know little uh, dresser things and moving them downstairs. And we had this queen-size bed um, that had the drawers underneath. Yeah? And so I, you were able to take each side apart. So each side had its own thing. You could just take it downstairs. So I did that, took out the drawers, Set them aside, took down those things, took the drawers down, put them back in, right? There's three on each side. Had a little door at the end. It was kind of neat. You could stick stuff in there. I know it was really long, you know, like a queen size. I don't know why they would have that, like a little door at the end. I'm going to store my skis in there. What am I going to put in this long cabinet, right? But it, it was nice, so we did that. And then the mattress got down there. It was a little tight, you know, as a little, you know, as you walk down the stairs, um, the angle of the stairs and then the the ceiling uh, from the basement, the ceiling of the basement, it's like, it's tight. Well, you just bend that up and go down there. But then I need to get the box spring down there. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't, some of you have been in a situation like this, right? You're trying to move this, and, and box springs, they don't bend, right? So I'm getting, I'm trying to move it down there, and I, you know, try this angle, and that angle doesn't work, and try this angle, it doesn't, and I'm starting to get really frustrated. I'm getting really angry at this thing. I'm like, just get down there. I'm pushing on it. I'm kicking it. I'm trying to bend it, as, squish it as much as I can to get it to fit where, the, where it's meeting from the, the bottom stair and the angle that it hits the floor and then the, the ceiling there of the basement. It just will not go down. And I'm getting, I'm getting hot now. I'm getting really mad. I'm like, I'm walking back and forth. I'm like, I'm going to get this thing down there. I know it's going to fit. I want it down there. I'm going to get this thing down there, right? And Amanda's like, you know, it's okay. You don't, we, maybe we just leave it up here. I'm like, no, it's going to go down there. I'm going to fix everything. I'm going to get, you guys have been in this. You've been in a relation. You know what this is like. And she's just like, okay, all right, whatever. She just lets me have it. So I get out my saw. <laughs> and the problem, what's the problem? The ceiling. The ceiling is the problem, right? In my mind, the ceiling is the problem. However, the ceiling for the basement is also the floor to the main, sorry, right? So I get out my saw and I just cut a notch in it enough that it fit down there and I got it down there, right? And I made it at the cost of the integrity of my main floor. I got it down there. I, mission accomplished. I got it there. Now, some of you, some of you are going like, dude, if you got a saw, why don't you just cut what? The box spring, right? And here's my response to you. 
were, were you in 2004, right? I could have used that help a lot. Thanks a lot. Now it's a little too late. I already cut the hole in my floor. Uh, and not only did I cut this hole in my floor, but like we had to like carefully navigate it whenever we went to walk through this little hallway from the bathroom to the kitchen because that's right where it was. And so you couldn't step in a certain spot because there's a hole in the floor, right? Yeah, yeah. So I know you laugh at me. Here, it's a silly example, though. It's a silly example of a serious problem. It's a silly example of a serious problem. I had an idea. I had a thought. And it, and, it, and it felt like it was the right direction. And, and I really started to, the more I thought about it and the more I felt about this, the more I really desired for this to happen. And then I put a plan together to accomplish it, didn't I? Now, some things changed along the way, but my goal remained the same. I'm going to make this happen. Come hell or high water or a hole in the floor, it's going to happen. That really is an indication of something that the Bible talks about is our heart. Our heart. There's a heart problem that we have. In the Bible, when it talks about heart, it's talking about what we think, what we feel, what we desire, and what we choose. It's all together. Now, we kind of separate that, don't we? What we think that comes from our mind. Yeah, we think up here. They didn't have that concept in the, the, the Old Testament specifically. It comes later, but it's a real problem. And, and the, it being a real problem, this is what we just came off of with Easter and the resurrection of Jesus, this new life, is supposed to create all things new for us. And that's our message series about all things new. And we're going to start with the core issue for humanity, and that's our heart the things that we think and the things that we feel and the things that we desire and the things that we choose, that needs to be made new. And, the, and Jesus' new life, his resurrection life, it makes us new. And I want to give you, I want to show you from the Bible, if you don't mind me taking you on another little journey, uh, not back into my past, but into the past of the Bible and the way that they talked about this, the way that they identified that there's a real problem with the human heart. Uh, in fact, it gets, it gets separated later. Jesus uses an example uh, to show us of, of how we are to fully love God with all that we are, and he separates heart and mind, but it wasn't always that way. It was all combined together. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart your soul, and your mind. That gets separated, but really, it's, it's all together. It's one thing, all together. So it's your whole being. And it, it's talking about you loving God with all that you think, all that you feel, all that you desire, and all that you choose. That puts a new spin on it, doesn't it? And, and this becomes a problem, and it's something that needs to be renewed. And so here's our little journey. I'm going to take you back to a time that uh, God created all oh, the heavens, the earth, all of that, told the people, right, the humans that he created to be fruitful and multiply, and they did. They were f multiplying everywhere, but something else was multiplying. They, this multiplying, they're, they're, each person has a certain way they think about things, 
and a way that they feel about other things or one another or, or what they desire to happen in life. And that makes their plans that they would choose and go. And that yeah, sometimes we work together and it looks good. And we work together and it becomes bad for someone else or it just becomes bad. Or we don't even realize the plans that we're making and the desires or things we want to have happen actually affect other people and not just ourselves. It's talking about that they're bad. They're, they're, they get to be so bad that they could even be called evil. And that's what God starts to see. He takes a look at humanity in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And he looks out over the humanity. Go ahead, there you go. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, on the whole land. And God saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Yeah, it, it, that's a word that gets used in the Bible for bad, but also has this context that it, it can be evil, it can be morally bad, right? So my plan to get this down there, and it, it gravitated, get this bed down the stairs, gravitated to, it started to be harmful because I was getting frustrated I couldn't make it work. And I came up with an even worse plan of actually getting it down there because that's all I was focused on. And what was the collateral damage there? Amanda, right? I'm just going to step away from you. You're, you're crazy, you're hot, you're angry. I don't, can't be around you, right? Because everything that we think or imagine becomes evil. Now, what, if you know where this story is right now in the Bible, and even if you don't, it's fine. This is the beginning of the a flood narrative, right? Where God is going to decreate the earth. When the earth started out, it was all watery and everything, and then God starts separating things, and land appears and creates things on it. And now it's like, oh, yeah, there's things moving around here all over, all over the land. And all right, flood it. Turn it all back to the beginning. We're going to start over. All things new. And uh, he, he notices there's this one guy that does right by God, wants to walk with God, wants to do what God thinks and feels and desires and chooses. And so God says, all right, take your family, put them in this boat that you're going to build and float around in it for a while. And then God causes the water to recede and the boat lands on this mountain. They get out of the boat. Noah gets out and he, uh, he builds a little altar and he creates a little sacrifice there and the aroma goes up to God. So here's what he says about that, Genesis chapter 8, verse 21. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice, and so he said to himself, literally it says, he says in his heart, that's the Hebrew, uh, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race, even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood. I will never again destroy all living things. Here's the thing. Did the flood solve the problem? Didn't solve the problem, did it? They didn't solve the problem. Like the human heart was bad and evil. They're the things they think and feel and desire and, and, and choose are bad. So bad it's affecting everything. I start all over and guess what? Same problem. It's still there. So you might be going like, well, why God do that? You know, it doesn't make any sense. Well, here, isn't this kind of what we want? Like, why don't I just, let's just get rid of all the bad people, right? 
I mean, there's bad people around, like killing people and mistreating people. Let's just get rid of them. It's not going to work. Because all of us have this heart problem. We, we sometimes can't even see it for ourselves. And the story continues on and, and expounds upon this about our heart problem that we can actually take some action with our heart. There's certain ways and we can make our heart more stubborn. We can be more stubborn than that. Did, I totally did that, went that direction. That didn't work very well. Or we can, we can soften it. We can become more receptive. We can actually seek something other than our own thoughts and feelings and desires and choices. We can do something else. That's what God talks about. So uh, when he talks about this, he, there's, a, there's another guy in the Bible. He's a king, king of Egypt. Uh, and in uh, Exodus chapter 8, verse 15, it says this, when Pharaoh saw that relief had come, just pause there for a second, relief had come. God is sending these plagues and things like that to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Let them come out of slavery. This is, this is what I desire. This is what I think is good. This is, this is my thoughts, and this is what I feel about, and this is what I'm choosing. But what does Pharaoh do? Pay special attention to what Pharaoh does with his own thoughts, feelings, desires, and choices. And when Pharaoh saw that he had relief had come, he, Pharaoh, became stubborn. He, he hardened his heart. That's another way of seeing this. He refused to listen to Aaron and Moses, or he refused to listen to them, just as the Lord had predicted would happen. He wouldn't let them go. He hardened his heart. He allowed his heart to become stubborn. I've, I've got a story about being king in my own home that because of the stubbornness of my own heart resulted not only in the, well, the grade of integrity of my floor, but the degrade integrity of, well, my own character, the, the, the integrity of a relationship with my spouse, right? Because of the hardening of my own heart. So we can do that, can't we? And I bet you can imagine a time when you've done that. Well, can, can we be honest, right? Can you be open and willing to just go like, yeah, there's times when I've gotten really irritable or very angry or I've been, maybe I'm just allowing worry to just completely overwhelm me and, or whatever it might be, right? Do you have these times in your life that you harden your own heart, you become stubborn? But the good news is, we can also soften it in another way. So there's another king that uh, God encounters. And uh, it, the problem is, is that the first king, uh, God's done with him. The guy, is, he's useless. And so God is seeking after another king, another person that he's going to make king. And the important piece about this king, well, here I'll show you. First Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. But now your kingdom, he's talking to King Saul, God is, must come to an end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Now, if you think about that, if you think about it, you're like, so the man is thinking out his own heart? Isn't that the problem? No, no, no. He's seeking out God's heart. God has sought, right? He's seeking for a human being that is also seeking God. 
but even more than that, seeking a human being that is actively seeking what God thinks, what God feels, what God desires, and what God chooses. That's a change in his heart. Uh, The Lord had already appointed this person uh, to be the leader of his people because you, King Saul, have not kept the Lord's command. You've done it your own way. God's commands, these words of instructions, are, are his guidance for us, right? That's what it was supposed to be about. And King Saul's like, I'm going to do my own way. King, King of Egypt, Pharaoh, did his own way, right? King Michael does it his own way, okay? We, we, we end up doing that. But here is a new king, and the foundation of this king, their relationship is that this king is actively seeking what God thinks, not just what he thinks, what God thinks. And we know this, da- this, this king is his King David, and this King David, he has a lot of feels, right? And because he's wrote a lot of songs and poems about these feel- feelings that he has. But he doesn't allow those feelings to overcome him, to control him. If you read any of his songs, they're called the Psalms, you start out and he might be in one place, like, oh my gosh, your wife is awful, I'm surrounded by my enemies. But then he starts engaging with who he knows God to be, starts aligning his feelings up with God. I'm not going to let these things overwhelm me. And he ends up in a place of and choosing what God would choose. That's, that's King David. Now, King David um, had some sons, and uh, they didn't always do well with this. In fact, uh, it ends up dividing their whole kingdom, and there's still a heart problem that needs to be dealt with. And God is going to actively be involved. So not only is there humans beings, you and me, that can actively be involved with our heart condition and our heart problem, if we can even be aware of it, but God is going to act on it as well. He's going to do something with our hearts. And so he sends a prophet telling what he's going to do, what God is going to do for this group of people called the Israelites. Because the, as a group, they've got a heart problem. Okay? So there's something needs to happen with that. Ezekiel chapter 11, 19 through 20. And I, this is God speaking, and I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. Now, just stop. There's another time that God put a spirit in a human being. Do you, do you remember that story at all? God made this form of a human and breathed into him. It's the same word as spirit. Breathe in him, he comes animated. And so God is reanimating this group of people. They, become, they were dead, and now they become alive again, right? So God is doing that. He's putting, making them a singleness of heart. You're united in that way. They're going to be reanimated, right? New life in them. I will take away their what? Stony and... Hmm, they're acting just like this other king that had a stubborn heart, right? Okay, so I will... Take it away, take their, away their stony and stubborn heart, and I will give them a tender and responsible heart. So they will obey. So they will obey these decrees and regulations, the commands. Then they will truly be my people, and I'll be their God. It's God's plan from the very beginning. But human beings, even as a collective group, the Israelites, they have their own plans. I want to rule my own way. I think I know what's best. 
I think I know what's good. It feels really good. I desire this thing now because I want it, and I'm going to make plans to achieve it, have it my own way. God says, okay, I'm going to take that old stony heart out and put a new heart in. Now, for some of us, we might be thinking about that and going like, oh, well, then God, just do it, right? Just do it. Just take out my heart right now, put a new one in, it'll be good. And we know we're talking in metaphors, right? Sometimes I have to ask that because my boys use the word literally, literally all the time. I'm like, you actually don't need to use that. Like, can't you, can't, when you're talking metaphorically, just say metaphorically, right? right? Just do that. Metaphorically, everyone was yelling at me because like, I don't think everyone was yelling at you, right? Anyway, so metaphorically, God's going to take out this stony, stubborn heart that we choose to have, and he's going to give us a new, tender, responsive heart. That's what God's going to do. It's already available. It's already there. What are we supposed to do? Are we seeking it? Are we going to just go, hmm, I like this stubborn heart. I, I, I liked this control that I have. I, I like doing things this way. The desires, I don't know, they feel pretty good. I think it's going to give me what I really want. These feelings, I mean, it's, it's hard to get away from these feelings. They do, they just kind of take over. And I give in to them. And then I get around people and they're like, boy, I just got to walk away from you. And these thoughts that just keep going over and over and over in your head, you just can't shake them. You just become a broken record. Right? Can we actively seek God's thoughts and God's feelings and God's desires and God's choices, being aligned with well, if we do that, there, there's a transformation that happens. It's, it's, it's a co-effort here, right? It's a partnership. God's going to do something, and we're going to do something. And when that happens, well, then Romans chapter 12, verse 2 starts to happen for us. We're no longer conforming or copying the behavior of the world because, yeah, we lived that, the stony heart people, right? That didn't work. That just multiplied all over the earth. And even sending a flood to decreate it and cause new creation, that didn't solve the problem. We needed a new heart. So I'm not going to copy that anymore. I'm not going to copy that behavior anymore. But I'm going to let God. Did you hear that? I'm going to let God. Is that a stubborn heart? Because stubborn people don't let other people do anything. I know I certainly don't. But I'm going to let God transform me transform you into a all things new, a new person. How? By changing the way we think. Now, when we say think, are we talking about just our mental thoughts? Or is it also everything we think and imagine that's totally and consistently bad and evil? It changes everything. It changes the way we think we can change the way we think about how we feel. We can change the way that how we feel about 
what we desire. And we can change the things that we desire to make good choices that are lined up with God. Because then if you do this, here's what happens. You learn, you learn to know what God's will is for you, his choice for you, his plan for you. And that, well, that's good. In fact, that's pleasing. And that's perfect. It's the perfect thing. So what does it take? Right? What does it take for us to let God transform us? Because the new heart's already there. Right? The, the new way of going about it's been there from the very beginning. Even, even in the flood time, they just weren't choosing it. They wouldn't let God. Pharaoh wouldn't let God. David let God. Noah let God. Paul, who wrote Romans, is letting God. So how do we let God? Well, I think one of the core problems, at least it is for me, and maybe it is for you, is that when I get going on my own thoughts and what I feel about things and my desires and, and my choices, that, that my plans that I make, well, I, that's all about me. I'm king. I, I'm the one in charge. I, I don't need God at all. I can do it myself. And the first step, at least for me, is to acknowledge that, Lord, I need you. I, I will seek you, but I still need you to take out the stubbornness in me. Uh, I, Lord, I, I will seek what your thoughts are. I, I, I've read them. I've kind of let them go in one ear and out the other. But I, I, I want to see what those thoughts are. Continue to give me those thoughts. How can I not allow my emotions to control me? God, I need you. I, Lord, I need you to help me. So what, what about when I have those desires and I like it a lot and I fulfill those desires, but it's not good. It's really not good. And now I start feeling bad about myself and the shame. And probably some of it is important to feel that shame. If you didn't, it might be something wrong with you. But and now you start thinking about yourself in a horrible way and God, what do I do? Lord, I need you help me, to bring me back into this new heart. And I, I think, I mean, you know what? I don't even just think. I'm convinced that you all here have some things that have been going on in your mind, some issues that you just keep replaying over and over and over. Lord, I need you to help get me out of that whole process. I need a new way to think about it. You probably have some emotions, things you've been feeling that have really take, taken you captive. You're like, God, I don't, I don't know how to get out of these feelings. Uh, Lord, I need you to help me with these feelings, to feel different, not let them take me over. And the desires that I have, I mean, they're so pleasing. It seemed like they would be so good, and I want that those desires. But Lord, I need you to show me how I can better deal with these desires. And God, there's a lot of things that I would choose. And Lord, I'm going to start with choosing to say that I need you. And I think 
right here today. As you pray, Lord, I need you, you're going to get some impression of how God is going to give you a way to think about things differently, to, to feel about things differently, to desire things differently, and to make different choices, ones that are aligned with him. The question is, Will you be tender and receptive and actually move in that direction? Will you actually do it? So I invite you to take this time to say, Lord, I need you, and to pay attention to what God is going to impress upon you, and then take those steps to actually do something about it.